What's up, friends? I'm so excited today. I have a super special guest for you guys. Dr. Erica Castleberry is a psychologist, therapist, and personal friend of mine. She graduated from the University of Houston in 2009 with a PhD in counseling psychology and has been treating eating disorders, body image, anxiety, OCD, depression, and interpersonal concerns. Her main treatment modality is cognitive behavioral therapy, which we're going to get into and talk about today. She loves exploring the influence of thoughts and behaviors on emotional well-being. She co-founded Castleberry and Associates with her brother, Carl Henricks, in 2013. A tenant of their practice is holistic and personalized care. Physical fitness and body image are the particular interests of Dr. Castleberry. She enjoys helping others in their relationships with their own bodies and with food. And today we are going to have an awesome conversation. Ladies, we're going to be diving into some of the major obstacles that present when it comes to healing our relationship with body and moving towards healthy exercise because there are definitely things that get in the way and we want to help break those down for you guys today. I know when I was preparing for this interview, there were two items that Erica sent me and it hit me hard. I found them to be so true in my own history and I know breaking down these obstacles today and discussing them, unpacking them, brainstorming how we can overcome them, it's going to help give you guys so much and that you can take away and really get working on some of those changes that you guys have been wanting to chase but just feel stuck. These obstacles are ones that I know keep women trapped. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to do this. Didn't sleep much last night. I was so excited. <laughs> Yay. Well, that's when you know you're passionate about yeah, it, right? Yeah. I love this stuff. And I invited you on because usually you and I go out to breakfast. Yeah. And we end up talking about this. We talk about it anyway. Right? I know, right? We might as well share it with right. others. Right. Yeah. Now, I've never called you Dr. Castleberry. Do you prefer to be called Dr. Castleberry? No, I do not. I only pull that out if it's a really important need for it. Otherwise, awesome. Erica is okay. Good. what works. So I haven't been wrong all along. Good. No, no. <laughs> um, okay, so we want to dive in today, but before we do, tell me a little bit about why you're so passionate about body image and helping women overcome it. Like what got you into this in the first place? Well, I think as, you know, a female in this culture, how, how does one not have some body image problems? Um, what are the, you know, some of the influences we experience? The media, you know, the, the weight loss industry, multi-billion dollar industry, um, sometimes our own mothers, everybody has a unique body image history, which mm -hmm. we can get into that a little bit more later. But, you know, as, as an adolescent, I too struggled. And, and now I have clinical experience in seeing the struggles that others have. Uh, so personally, you know, growing up, I think I, I reached a point after puberty where I was like, what am I supposed to weigh? What is this body mm. supposed to look like? Am I okay? Um, I'm, you know, everyone's comparing themselves to everyone else. No one's happy with how they really look. This is a problem. And it's the normal. And it's the normal to not like how you look. I think sometimes females bond over not liking how yes. to look. You know, it's so funny. I was just talking to a client about that yesterday. Um, we're talking about Mean Girls. Remember that scene yes. in Mean Girls? Yes. Where it's like they're all in the mirror and she feels weird that she's yeah. not a part of it. So what does she say? She doesn't like her fingernails? Yeah, she has to come up with something, right? Yes. Because you have to put yourself down. You're not supposed to have too good of self-esteem. Right? Yes. So that it gets normalized. And then I, I've realized now, you know, as a clinician, that something that goes on, sometimes people get emotionally dysregulated. That means their emotions are not positive, they don't feel stable maybe, mm -hmm. but that leads to also cognitive dysregulation and that maybe that's something that's not talked about all that often. So tell me more about that. What do you mean by cognitive Cognitive dysregulation means you're confused. Mm. And so we see with body image, I think in a clinical setting that maybe some days a person feels okay about themselves. Mm -hmm. Maybe they felt like they ate just what they were supposed to eat. Maybe they worked out, maybe whatever, right? Oh, I, can, I look okay now. 
But then the, another day, maybe they had something bad happen. Maybe they're stressed out. Maybe they're tired. Then then the judgments start coming up, right? Even if they eat and do the same thing. Even if maybe they did the same things, yeah. right? So there's there's often this unstable sense of the body, an unstable sense of self, and that's part of cognitive dysregulation as well. Okay, so I'm relating to this now because when um, I know for me, I would say it was a big day when I figured out, I, when I came home and I felt, you know, quote, fat, mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with my body. And everything right. to do with what I experienced at work or school that day. Right. And that was a big deal to finally make that connection. And you're right. I don't think that's talked about. It's it, We right. we say it's our body. It's right. always our body. It's always the body. It's not residing in the mm-hmm. head. Right? And so I think, yeah, we have to get in touch with ourselves much deeper to figure that out and to, to do something about Gosh, it. Gosh, I wish I would have met you back into my <laughs> college years to help me figure that out. I could have figured that out sooner. <laughs> um, okay, so you had mentioned that there are two major obstacles and of course there's many but there's two major ones that you see to be more common than others when it comes to improving body image and starting to work towards some of your exercise goals tell me a little bit about those two obstacles right so two obstacles and kind of building the self-awareness we were talking about um, the two obstacles are shame and all or nothing thinking mm-hmm. now shame is something that can get embedded uh, really pretty and be pretty stuck for a person and there's often a lot of ideas that go behind that but but a sampling of a few right I might hear a client say I can't go to a gym I'm fat mm-hmm. yeah. and it's, the irony is you know wh- why would people go to a gym they're trying to maybe you know that word I don't like that word but they're trying to get into shape they're trying to improve their fitness and so the idea that you're not good enough to, what does it mean to not even be good enough <laughs> yes. to walk into the gym? But they're, they're insecure. They're afraid people are going to stare at them. They're going to laugh at them. Now, I know as working with them as a clinician that these are the narratives they tell themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm fat. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve good things. And so the longer they stay in that sense of shame, those are the thoughts, right, that lead to a sense of shame. More shame leads to those thoughts. Now, what and do they you... get stuck. Sorry to cut you off. I, I want to talk a little bit more about shame yeah. before we dive into the all or nothing thinking. But what brings someone to a place of sitting in that shame? Like, is it something that, is it a, an event that triggers shame? Is it a lifestyle or all of the above? I mean, what do you notice about what brings shame up in, in people's lives? So, so many things can lead to shame. Uh, often something happens in childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, trauma. Trauma is a huge part of it, right? Uh, we know with binge eating disorder, which could be, you know, obviously a source of body image problems as well, or mm-hmm. come with body image problems. Um, there's a really high correlation between binge eating and sexual trauma in childhood, right? So the person feels it. I, I, there's something strange about trauma. When a person's traumatized, that pain often gets turned inward and the person may blame themselves. Mm. It's my fault, you know, there's something wrong with me. And shame, unlike guilt, where guilt might be remorse about having done a particular thing, right? Right. Shame is global. I am just wrong, There's I am bad. There's something not okay about me. And it, it can be so embedded. The person can be mm. so stuck there and it's so painful and mm-hmm. it can really, emotions really drive a lot of our behaviors, right? And so people people often don't even understand really what they are feeling, let alone then how that's connected to their behavior, their avoidance, right? So people start to avoid. They avoid doing things that are healthy for them because it doesn't matter that self-care does not match uh, with the feeling of shame and inadequacy. Yeah, yeah. I love what you were saying about the difference between guilt and shame. Um, Because I think that is something, I think it was Brene Brown said, Mm -hmm. uh, guilt is I did something wrong, shame Mm -hmm. as I am something Mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But identifying that it's shame that you're carrying, I mean, that would be the first step I would Mm -hmm. imagine in working through it. Identifying feelings, and that's why we talk about that a lot in Mm -hmm. therapy. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have had a major trauma 
to have a lot of shame. You could have grown up with a mother who was constantly dieting and saying, I'm fat. Oh, look at my thighs or, you know, mm-hmm. what does this look like on me? Does this make me look bad? Because they're confused, right? The mom always asking questions about it, seeking reassurance. So those behaviors that start to further embed the obsession mm-hmm. about the body, right? Checking it, asking about it, um, looking in the mirror maybe. Mm-hmm. And so if you grow up in a household where somebody's always putting their bodies down, especially a role model, a female role model, you're more likely to feel that shame and to pick up on those You're behaviors. like picking up their shame. Yeah, you're picking you're up their shame. Well, and you're, so you're, you're, it's teaching you about what a body should be like or that a woman should be ashamed of herself, oh, right? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, that's good. And I think that's, that's something that I'm seeing now with this wave of like moms I'm working with where they're realizing they picked up on some of that. And, you know, I do think some of it's just the times, right? Mm-hmm. Like our mothers were alive in a different time where I know, I, I'll never forget my, uh, my boyfriend's mom was a uh, flight attendant and they got weighed in. I mean, they had to be weighed in. They had Can to be a certain way. I know it's crazy, but that was the time they grew up right. in. So I think it was much more normal. Mm-hmm. And then our generation started picking up on that narrative. Well, now it's changing. Mm-hmm. And I've had this wave of moms coming in saying, I don't want to continue this story and this narrative for my daughters. And so I've got to get this figured now. Right. Right. I, yes. I love that we're pushing back on all of that yeah. stuff and, you know, practicing body positivity. Um, exactly. It's just time that our worth is not just about appearance right. and weight and right. all of those kinds of things. Thank God it's happening. Yes. It's happening. Yes. <laughs> okay, so shame is one of them, whether it came from trauma, um, maybe we're picking up on it from people in our lives, and, and it's the shame cycle that's passed down generationally. But then you've also talked about this all or nothing thinking, and I want to dive into this one because, man, this is so common and something I, to this day, struggle with in many areas is this black or white, all or nothing thinking. So tell me a little bit about what you see um, in terms of this and how it relates to body image and people trying to move and get in the gym, hit their exercise goals. So people struggle with balance. I've I've seen this time and again, working with clients, almost regardless of what the issue is. Um, When they get, when they finally do get motivated, if if they get out of that state of paralysis or they're not, they no longer want to avoid, then they tend to want to go way too hard. Mm -hmm. So I've had many clients, you know, I'm gonna get into shape and they, they tell me the plan and it's this, you know, I'm going to go seven days a week. I'm going to do two workouts a day with well, some crazy plan. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I tell them you're setting yourself up for failure yeah. because inevitably you're going to be sick one day or the weather is going to be bad or, some, you know, life happens, right? Life is real. And, life always right, wins. <laughs> right. And so when we're operating from this all or nothing place, if I've messed up, even there's no room for any error. There's no room for flexibility. So if I've messed up, I've, I've ruined it. And then people will often say, well, screw it, you know, I've messed up, I'm just not gonna even bother. And they may go then months without exercising again. So it's, it's, it's perfect or it's nothing. Mm Did you ever see Talladega Nights? No, I didn't. <laughs> no. It's with the Will Ferrell. I know and he's it a is, race yeah. car driver. Anyway, uh-huh. in that movie, he's always chasing being number one. And he's got this vivid memory of his dad telling him, if you're not first, you're last. Oh, my right? gosh. And so he's, you got to be number one, right? Yeah. Or, or why are you even bothering? And so, but it's what's funny is that his dad comes back into the story. And, and they're having that conversation about that. And the dad says, well, I was high when I said that. There's, of course, <laughs> if, you know, there's other things besides first. There's second and there's third. Yeah. So that ability to see, like, you know, that that it doesn't matter if it's perfect, that if you're making an effort, that counts. That most things are ratios of successes and failures instead of perfect or fit, complete failure. 
um, that's hard for people to see sometimes. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm hoping people see it more just with what's going on with Simone Biles. Oh, yes. Right? That's a good, yes, very uh, on Oh, point, my right? gosh. Yeah, I mean, there she is, like, at the crux of her career, right? So yeah. much yeah. riding on her. And she decided to not, to step back and take mm-hmm. care of herself instead of going for being number one. Yeah. Talk about a whew, bold move. And, and so some people nice. probably, you know, obviously she's being praised for taking care of herself as she should. Obviously, some people are probably angry about that. Sure. Like, how dare you, you know, do mm-hmm. this? Well, it's just one Olympics, you know. She's young in her life. And, and maybe this isn't all about, you know, this isn't her everything, perhaps. Right. There's more to life than, you know, burning out. That was her um, her tweet update because uh, I've been following the story. I just think it's incredible because I can't imagine that kind of pressure. I know. Oh, I know. I mean, <laughs> the, I feel the pressure in my life. I'm like, I can't imagine what they feel, her being like the top athlete that's being followed for the Olympics in the U.S. But anyway, she updated her Twitter account and uh, this morning and said it was something along the lines of, I'm so grateful for the love and support I've received for the first time I've seen that I'm more than my accomplishments. Oh, that's How wonderful. Cool. She's obviously going to do well, I think. I think so, I hope too. she really does internalize that message. And Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. Okay, so we've got these ideas of shame and all or nothing thinking. So these obstacles that are clearly obstacles. And I love how you put this. It either puts us in the state of paralysis or perfectionism burnout. Tell me a little more about that. Sure. So the paralysis is the point where you're kind of unmotivated. You haven't been working out. Maybe you've never worked out or maybe Mm -hmm. you had a bad experience and you're shameful perhaps, or you're just avoiding, right? Mm -hmm. So when people are anxious and shameful, um, I think they tend to avoid those things, which this is human nature. We avoid that, which causes us discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. And if, but the longer you avoid, the harder it is to face it, right? And so then if you also, I think that somebody that's in a state of paralysis is also probably wanting to be a perfectionist, but they're, they're missing the mark at that moment, right? Yes. So they're probably having these expectations about what counts as exercise. You ever struggle with that? Like yes. I could do, yes. you know, I could do some push-ups right now, but that doesn't count. Yes. You know, I've got to do a whole hour long thing. I got <laughs> yes. to warm up. I got to do 30 minutes of cardio. I've got to do 30 minutes of hit or, you know, whatever it is. Yes. We tell ourselves that it's got to be the right setting. I got to be wearing just the right have clothing. to sweat the right amount. Have to sweat the right amount. <laughs> yeah. Or it doesn't count. And the, the truth is our bodies just want to move, right? Right. right. Whether s- it's cleaning the house or on a treadmill. Exercise. Right. The treadmill is exercise. Going, walking your dog, mm-hmm. picking weeds. So many things are exercise, mm-hmm. but we get into our heads about these expectations about it. So the, all of those things can overwhelm somebody and they can avoid even getting started. Right. So right. I often have to work with them on the smallest of steps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can relate to that. I was stuck for a long time and like if I didn't run three miles, that was my rule. Three miles? Yeah. If, like it doesn't count yeah. if you don't run three miles. Which is weird. I'm like, yeah. I don't know where that came from. Right. I don't know. But right. that was my rule of thumb. And um, but yeah, nothing else counted. Like lifting weights didn't right. count, right. which is so twisted. That's so, that is twisted. Yeah, not at all in alignment with right. health right. and like right. building right. a strong body. But um, yeah, I can see how that would keep people paralyzed because then it's like, if I, if I can't get my three miles in, then I'm just not going to do anything. And then you and go. again, it's the all or nothing mm-hmm. thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So the paralysis is um, because of anxiety, because of shame, because of all or nothing thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And so then people are stuck there. The perfectionism, the person's not stuck in terms of, I mean, they are working out, but maybe they're just going way too hard because they mm. think if it's not fantastic, if it's not great, it's not worth doing. And a personal experience I had with that, I was living in Memphis and I was going to CrossFit Memphis. This was back in 2000. 
gosh, 2008, I want to say. Okay. The CrossFit was still kind of a new thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy that, that's, that was there working out, and he was great. He was one of those people we would call a fire breather. Like, he could just had a really big engine. Just the could, gnarly ones? You're like, could, how yeah, do you do that? <laughs> he could really rip through those workouts, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he even went to regionals one time, but he got hurt. And I'm not sure. I st- kind of stopped following his career. No, he went on to be on one of the teams. Oh, wow. He was doing, like, the CrossFit teams. Anyway, he was a real deal CrossFitter. He was a real deal yeah. CrossFitter, right? So, lucky me, I'm a, you know, <laughs> right? uh, just an average I know. You know, CrossFitter. So, I'm there, and I had a headache that day. But mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I'm still going to go and work out because I think moving will feel good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this all or nothing thing. I knew I couldn't do a crazy workout, though. So, I still did I picked a challenging weight for the workout. I don't even remember what it was, but I was going slow. And, you know, CrossFit, they tend to, like, you know, get through it as quickly as you can. And there's a little competition mm-hmm. going on. But I'm not I'm not about that that day, right? I'm doing my own thing. And he he's like, what's up with you? He asks me. Oh, my and gosh. I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't feel very good. So I'm just trying to get some movement, but I'm taking my time. He's like, well, why are you even here then? <gasps> oh, my gosh. Can you imagine, right? And he, this is the nicest guy, too. What's crazy about that, I'm not even going to mention his name because I don't want to embarrass yeah. him. But he's so sweet. He was the nicest person. It was really strange that that came out. And I realized later that's because that's probably what he tells himself. Right. If you can't go all out, can I use a colorful language? Absolutely. If you don't, if you don't go balls to the wall, why would you even try? Yeah. Right? What a weird mindset. Yeah. Gosh, I can't imagine being in that. But what's cool is you were able to pick up on the fact that he was projecting. Yeah, his that was own a projection, stuff. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, because I think we tell ourselves that, like you got to challenge yourself and push. But here's the thing I have learned: it's about flexibility. Mm. Yes, there are times to push yourself and really like rev that engine. If we're kind of using a car metaphor and see what it can get up to, the speed. Mm-hmm. But there, you don't want to do that every day, right? Right. It'd be like saying, why would you even have a car if you're not only going to drive 120 miles per hour? <laughs> right. Well, that's ridiculous. Right. You, you need rest and recovery you need workouts that are a lot lighter sometimes you need to prevent psychological burnout right right and so I have found if I've been going pretty hard with weights or whatever and I'm just like my head's not in it instead of not working out at all which is what I think people usually want to do I just pick something much easier yeah I might do weights still but I really scale it down well and I think unless you're you know your job is to be an athlete right and you you're supposed to be pushing yourself to that 120 miles per hour right um, but even then, they have off-seasons, well, right? And not every single workout, I right. think, is, is supposed to be your max effort, right? No, no. I mean, silly. There's so much research in recovery and mm-hmm. what it does for the mm-hmm. body and helping to optimize your athletic performance. But for those of us that are not professional athletes, which is most of us, We're right? Most of us, yes. I mean, why are we holding ourselves to that level and that expectation? right. right. Well, that's true. I think a lot of people compare themselves to oh, comparisons. We oh. did. We could do a whole thing just on comparisons. I know. Um, people compare themselves to professional athletes. Or you know, are you watching the CrossFit games? I've been watching highlights from okay. previous years. I've okay. been watching some of the CrossFit games because these are just amazing athletes. Oh right? yeah. And so, but I can't sit there and say, well, why am I not like you know this person, right? Annie Thor's daughter. Well, I don't work out multiple times a day. That's not or my eight job. Eight hours a day. I, I'm, a, I'm a mom. I'm yes. a. I'm a business owner. You know, I have friends, and and so yes, I like working out and I like fitness, but that's not my profession, right? right. And so, and I'm right. not going to be at that level. Well, and I think accepting that it actually opens the door to find just joy in yes. movement. Yes, and it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. I know. <laughs> and this is I've talked about this on the show before, but I have a 5:30 a.m. 
like CrossFit crew. I know you're crazy. Uh, well, I, yeah. <laughs> when I'm a crazy morning person over here. But part of it is that I've made friends with these people. And so I now go to the gym and I always say I work out my mouth more than I do my body because it's it's like a social hour to me and I get to see people and hang out and we have fun. And sometimes, yeah, we're pushing it pretty hard, but a lot of times we're also just enjoying that hour, which is really cool. Yeah. It can, it's me time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I love about working out, especially those types of workouts people do at CrossFit is there's nothing else. There's no room for anything else in your mind. You can't be worrying about something else. Right. You, you, it brings you into the moment. It's mindfulness, right? Yes. You are so, you have to be embodied. And I know we're going to maybe talk about that in a little bit. Well, but yeah. And thank you for saying that. Cause I know CrossFit gets a lot of pushback. Like people always make fun of me and I say, yes, I drank that juice. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think you, there's a lot to be said about the doing an exercise and not just CrossFit. Like there's several exercises and anything styles. Yeah. Yeah. But that requires focus where you have to be in your body instead of like, how do I look while I'm doing this exercise? Like you have to be focused for me. Some of these lifts, I'm like, if I'm not paying attention, I'm going to hurt myself and, or I'm not going to be able to lift it, this barbell up. I have to be focused. Yeah. If you're doing a technical Olympic lift, like a a snatch or, oh my gosh, if you have a heavy Mm -hmm. amount of weight on your back and you're doing a back squat, you're not thinking about anything. You're right. thinking about, okay, you know, I'm strong. I can do this. And you're, you're doing the lift and your mind is in it. Or you're going to get hurt. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, I, but that's it's fun. Like it. Right? It is okay. fun. I know. For those of us who like that, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. But I think the same can be said for like Zumba, right? Yes. Things like that. Well, that's true. But it's, you know, the technical skills. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of step aerobics. I don't know if you know this about me. <laughs> I don't. In college, I was a step aerobics That's queen, amazing. And I loved it. I was like up in the advanced, intermediate, advanced courses. That's awesome. I kept taking them. That's a skill. And it is. And inevitably, every class, somebody would fall off the step because the footing got really kind of complex. (laughs) Where was I going with this? I don't know. But your head, your head had to be on what you were doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I remember I tried. And doing a grapevine and doing a box step. So much. It was so much fun. I want to bring it back. I know. We should bring it back. I love it. Can we, Jess, can we talk about comparisons for a minute? Yes, please. What's the problem with comparisons? The problem is that people do not compare themselves to everyone across the entire spectrum of possibilities. They only compare themselves against those people against whom they would fail, right? Or they would they would consider themselves yes. less than. So my clients that come in with body image problems, they don't say, I went to Walmart for two hours and just people watched and I thought, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Like, they, <laughs> yeah. They're looking at the Victoria's Secret models. They're yes. looking at the airbrushed photos and all of that. Usually and online and social yeah. media. Yes. And then they're saying, you know what? Well, I'm just not good enough. I'm hideous. I'm this and that. I'm, I'm fat. I hear that word so many times. And the problem with that word is it doesn't just mean I'm of a bigger body size or whatever. It's so loaded with negative mm-hmm. connotation, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times it means undisciplined or, you know, not worthy. Our culture attaches a lot, a lot to that of word. ugliness mm-hmm. to that word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're right. The comparison is what triggers it because... Uh, it's funny you said that I just saw someone yesterday who she woke up she's like oh I woke up I was feeling really good about my body and then I don't know around one o'clock I just felt horrible like and she started calling her negative narrative started spinning right and I was like well what happened between when you got off work and lunch like what what did you do she's like I have no idea you know and then all of a sudden she goes oh I got on TikTok there you go. And she showed there me her go. feed, and within like two minutes of me scrolling on her feed, I was like, "Well, honey, I don't. Who wants to eat after seeing that?" Right, <laughs> like, right. You right. know, it's like it triggers all that stuff. And if we're in that comparison mindset, yes, right. And so, how do you talk clients out of 
getting in that space. And, you know, we always say it's not fair to compare, but how do you get out of it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think one of the things is what we were just saying, if you're going to compare, try to open up that range a little bit more. And remember, Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of shapes and body types out there. And you're only comparing yourself against a very small subset. And probably even the people you're comparing yourself against, a lot of that's illusion, right? Mm -hmm. I love the the people that will actually give you a glimpse behind the curtain into the beauty industry and Mm -hmm. how, you know, somebody doesn't roll out of bed, hungover, (laughs) you know, bloated and take their photo shoot, right? (laughs) Right. They've been preparing for weeks, maybe. They may not, they may be dehydrated, so they don't have any issues going on, right? Mm -hmm. Bloating or whatever. They maybe haven't been eating well. Um, and the, there's perfect lighting and there's perfect camera angles and there's, you know. Well, and it's not capturing either all the the story behind that, right? Like right. what their genetics are, what well, their right. resources are. You know, a lot of these people, that's their primary job. Right. And so they work out for whatever, how many hours a day. And that's what they do as opposed to like you were saying, we're moms. You know, yeah. we're business owners. we got lots going on. Right. I want to be home and still be present in my marriage right. and not just obsessed with you know, they don't talk about the cost of looking That's that true way. because anything that we really do to that extent, what are we giving up? I'm imagining um, like creating a spectrum of different body types, but then we write the story behind what it costs. Yes, <laughs> you know, that's like actually that way. a really beautiful project. Yeah. And just, and then you could look at it going, okay, I'm now not looking at the actual shape of the body. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at mm-hmm. what kind of lifestyle do yeah. I want to live? I actually had a client one time that had been a fitness model mm-hmm. and she was miserable. It actually triggered her to have an eating disorder because she, it started off like she was only going to eat certain ways when she was in her training season and she was going to try to go back to normal. She couldn't go back to quote unquote normal yeah. um, because she, I mean, she was just so miserable. She was so obsessed with once she had reached that level of how, what she felt was perfect, giving it up or letting go of it to just have a normal life. So she couldn't go out to eat. Her, her uh, boyfriend was really unhappy in their relationship after a while because mm. she, it was just all about her regimen and her workouts and her uh. food. And, and strict eating, and she couldn't have a, a glass of wine or ever eat a donut. I laugh about that because you and I are eating donuts. I know. <laughs> we are. It's we true. Are, it's true. <laughs> and um, so there was just such a huge cost to her yeah. relationships, to I think probably even her health. You know, I think she oh, was absolutely. doing some things that were not healthy for her. Well, and I, that makes me think too about, you know, this idea of body image again. And if we're trying to heal body image, there's this illusion that if I change my body, that will heal body image. Yes. And I think that couldn't be, and, and to the, your point about the fitness model, because I know I've worked with several women and some models as well that are gorgeous, you know, just like stunningly gorgeous. And then they still don't feel that they're beautiful enough, enough. Like it's that enough word and it's because we're stuck in that comparison. Right. And so if your worth is all, if there's an undue amount of value placed on physical appearance and you don't have any other source of internal worth, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to keep moving the goalposts on yourself. You're going to, especially if you have shame about other things, maybe from childhood or maybe from trauma, you're going to keep moving the goalposts. So just, you know, you think, well, I'll just lose 10 pounds, right? And this is how it starts. And then you get there and it's not enough because Mm -hmm. the problem wasn't really with the body to begin with. Right, Right, right. And conversely, we've all met those people who... Maybe they are bigger. Maybe they don't have that ideal body type that our media defines, mm-hmm. but they're confident and they're happy and they're beautiful. Anyway, oh my gosh. Right? Those are my favorite humans yes. that have just yes. said, I'm not going to let you define what I right. define as beautiful right. and I'm just going to rock it. And yeah. people are attracted people to that. People are attracted to that confidence. Yes. Right? That's what I, I don't, I think it was like 
Paris Hilton that said this or something, but it was like uh, a woman's best accessory is her confidence. That's true. And I yeah. love that. And I, I think that's, yeah, I just love that. So let's talk a little bit about body image. How do you define body image? Uh, okay. So body image is, it's a mental representation of the body. It's not the actual body. And it's, there's so many things that go into Wait, it. Wait, pause right there. That's beautiful. No, uh -oh. what you just said. So you said it's positive. Body image is not the actual body. It's right. the representation yeah. of it's the body. It's a mental representation. Yeah. And I think that is so important for people to hear today because, mm -hmm. again, people think I want to improve my body image and I'll do that by changing my body. But Right. That's a misnomer. Complete yeah. misnomer. Okay, yeah. cool. Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> so, yeah. So like any representation of something, it's not directly just made up of the component parts of the body. What goes into body image is your overall feeling about yourself, your emotions about yourself as a person, um, your perceptions, your values about what a body should look like. So remember we were talking about that body image history. We mm -hmm. all have a body image history. And if you grew up with women or men or whoever has to look this specific way and you feel like you're not measuring up, you're going to have negative body image. And um, so, so many things go into that. We were talking about like if you have a bad, if you don't have a good body image and you have a bad day, it's really going to be bad. Right, right, right. Then you really see your quote flaws, whether they're actually flaws or not, but they seem amplified. So how would you define a healthy body image? So that, that's a really great, great question. I struggled in that when I was thinking about this the other night, like how do you define healthy body image? I think that a key word I want to throw out is flexibility mm -hmm. and, and then also acceptance. Mm -hmm. So a person with healthy body image, um, they don't maybe necessarily think they're perfect, right? They, they just have some self-compassion and love and acceptance for themselves. Um, and they're flexible, right? They, they, maybe, maybe they had a child and so they're heavier and they said, well, you know, yeah, that was the cost of this new love I have in my life for this mm -hmm. child, you know, that my body has changed a bit. Um, and they can be flexible in that way. And then maybe they go, they do start to go back to the gym or whatever, mm -hmm. but they're not hating themselves because their body has changed in a way that they find maybe yes. not. So you're aware maybe that you have quote unquote flaws, right? But you also can see the beautiful aspects of your body and more so than, than placing such emphasis on appearance. It's the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, gee, I'm so grateful and gratitude's a big part of that, right? I'm so grateful I can see, that I can jump, I can run, I have arms to hug somebody with. Did you ever hear of a man named um, Nick Wojcik? Mm -mm. I want to say he was from Australia. Anyway, this is a man that um, he's a mo was a motivational speaker. He still might be. I just haven't been following his career. But he was born without arms and legs. Mm. Oh, I have heard have of him. Have you heard of him? Yes, yes. Talk about an amazing person because he's yes. been so willing to be open about his journey. Talking about somebody that's going to have some body image problems, mm -hmm. right? Because here's a, this isn't even about weight in this case, right? But about having this disability or being differently abled. Right. Um, so anyway, he talked about in childhood, you know, he was so depressed because, you know, he found himself just wishing, I wish I had arms and legs. I wish I, I could do these things. And he was just in a really dark place. And he realized he couldn't keep thinking that way. He had to accept um, mm. the way his body was. And then he had to find out what he could do with it. And he had to be grateful that he did have a life. He, made, he had this beautiful quote where he said, you know, how is anyone going to love me? I can't even hold my future wife's hand. And he thought, well, maybe I can't hold her hand, but maybe I can hold her heart. Oh, my like, gosh. Right? It gets you. Like, right? like, I can be a loving person. I can engage in relationships right. with people. And he overcame a lot wow. of obstacles. And he would go speak to middle school children. And, and they would just be crying and hugging him at the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the verge of tears right so now. <laughs> right? Yes. Right, so. Wow. I mean, yeah, talk about really stepping away from this comparison of our yes. cultural definition right. of beauty and finding value in 
who you are yes. and what you give to the world. And so part of what I do clinically with clients and working with that is getting them to notice how much they judge themselves. Mm. And we start to really try to pull away the judgments. Judgments are subjective. They're almost always nasty. They keep us uh, stuck in a place of anxiety or shame. Um, And so we just say, let's just notice the judgments at first and really start to reduce them and replace them with something else. If I catch myself saying something like, you know, negative about a stranger I see, I try to catch myself and say, you know what, that's a human being who's worthy of dignity and and respect Mm -hmm. and just leave it at that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, we can play that game. And I know you do this too, where it's like, would you say that to your daughter? Would you say that to your best friend? Would you say that to your mom? It's like, no, we would never say these things. No, no. Never. And never even think of it. But I shared this on the very first podcast I did, but it was one of the best things my dad ever did for me is we were driving in the car and I was looking at my legs. I've always had like thicker legs and do you see I, my shirt? Your shirt. Just I did not. <laughs> Thick thighs save lives. I love it. <laughs> it's true. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so I, I was, you know, as a high schooler, I, I didn't like it. Right. And I, the thigh gap was a thing oh when I was gosh. in. Oh, God. I know. That's genetic, by the way. It yeah. is, <laughs> right? You either have that or you don't. And once I figured that out, it was like this pressure got taken yeah, off. Yeah. But I remember we were driving and I was looking at my thighs and I said something out, out loud about how I didn't like them. He pulled the car over. Wow. Got me out of the car, looked me in the eye and said, don't ever talk about my daughter that way. And it just, it, it set a narrative in my head that, Okay, even when I struggle with how I look, like there are people that love me that wouldn't tolerate that. And I would never say that to someone I love. So even if I was uncomfortable in my body, like saying those things is, isn't that sweet? (laughs) I know. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. That's great. I wish more dads would, you know, maybe be that way because daughters struggle so much. And well, sons too. Yes. Um, but certainly girls, you know. Well, and I think hearing it from that role model, too, yes. was so powerful. Yes. And that's why I share it, because I, right. when I shared it the first time, I actually had several moms say, I told my husband about that, and I, he's going to say that to my daughter. And I'm so grateful for that, because it was such a pivotal moment that's in powerful. my life. It was. And, you know, even then, I went on to struggle, but at least I had that route to go back to it and hold on to. It was something to anchor you. That's, yes. that's powerful. Beautiful. It was awesome. You know, and Jordan Peterson, he's a psychologist. I I guess he's a little controversial, I suppose. I like him. I like him, too. Yeah. And he he said that, you know, you've got one of his 12 principles for life in that book. He says, treat yourself like you're someone whose well-being you're responsible for. Yes. And I love that. You know, so if you think about, I tell my clients just kind of borrowing off of that idea. You know, if you had a five-year-old in your care, how would you take care of them? How would you feed them? How would you have them move? You know, mm-hmm. would you let the five-year-old sit on the couch all day long and watch TV? Or might you say, hey, let's go jump rope or let's go outside and take a walk. Let's move around a little bit. Yes. But you wouldn't be like, you're not running fast enough, fatty, right? Right. I mean, hopefully not. But <laughs> you know. most people go, yeah, I would never, you know. Right. I mean, how would you feed them? If they said, can I have a banana split for dinner? You'd say, well, no, let's, why don't we eat our chicken and our vegetables? Yes. You can have a little ice cream, you know, for dessert afterwards. And so we know how to do these things. Yes. We just, I think people don't always feel like they deserve it. Or they can maintain it. Well, they goes, get confused or they do the all or nothing or the, right, or, yeah, the right. shame. Yep. That's about, I was about to say, it goes back to the shame or the all or nothing yep. thinking. Yeah. Yep. So how do you, going back to that, how do you work people through, let's start with shame. How do you okay. work through people through shame when they come in and they're stuck there? I think the first step is recognizing that that's what we're dealing with, right? So I'll, I've got a case study for this mm-hmm. one. Um, a young professional woman came in for therapy. She was kind of depressed, but she, but really it was a lot about body image stuff. Mm-hmm. 
this is okay so she's in her early 30s she's got a professional career this is the kind of person who's always put together and probably it was a bit of a compensation right for feeling like she's lacking so I'm talking the hair was always done mm -hmm. the makeup was always perfect nails professional clothing beautiful woman really very actually mm -hmm. quite stunning couldn't see it right of course not <sighs> right she thought she was too heavy and had some issues with food and body image the whole thing so we're going through this. I'm trying to get her to think about when an incident happens to you, what self-talk do you notice? What comes up in your head? Because that'll give us a lot of clues. And then what we're looking for the emotion that's attached to. So often people can only identify the emotion first. So she tells me this story that she had a, an incident happen with a stranger where this guy was yelling at her um, and, and she was in her car. And so she was so rattled by this man yelling at her and being really kind of rude. She didn't even go to work that morning because this was before work. She headed home. I said, well, what were you feeling? She goes, I felt ashamed. Uh, I said, that's interesting because she hadn't done anything wrong that we could identify. Yeah. There was just this weird thing. So she goes, I said, okay, well, what did you do? She said, I didn't go to work. I turned around and went home. I said, what did you do when you got home? She said, well, I thought I'd feel better. She's trying to escape, right? Escape yeah, the feeling. Yeah. Not going to work. She said, well, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't regulate myself. And so guess what I wanted to do? I said, did you want to eat? Because that was, you know, it's emotional eating. Mm -hmm. That's the go-to. Mm -hmm. right? So she did. She ate like half a cake or something, mm -hmm. some big amount of dessert. Mm -hmm. I said, what was going on while you were eating? Well, well, I felt better, right? In that moment, while the cake's still there, it's like everything's magic and rainbows and unicorns. Right, right. right. And then it's gone. Right. And then shame. Yes. There's more shame at reinforced. I said, well, let's go back to the shame in that moment, though, because... The initial shame. The initial shame, right? Because she had kind of just reinforced it, right? Which is really ironic. We'll come back. But right. I said, well, what do you think you were thinking in that moment that he yelled at you? She goes, oh, my God, I deserve it. I deserve this kind <gasps> uh, of treatment. And she's crying at this point because I'm fat. Yeah. And the interesting thing was she was in her car. And he couldn't really even see her. But she carried this so much. This was her narrative about, you know, I don't deserve good things. I'm fat. And again, fat, we were saying, has that connotation of, you know, not being disciplined, um, being lazy, whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. And so she had gone home and, and had, had felt out of control and was eating. She had loss of control eating. And it reinforced that self-talk. I'm fat. I'm lazy. I'm out of control. I'm not worthy. So when she, when she identified it, was that, I mean, was she able to make the connection? Yeah. That, it was she, shame? that was a powerful moment in therapy. Yeah. That that's where the shame was all coming from because it wasn't really coming from the interaction with the man. It was deep down in there. So what'd she do with it when she figured it out? So what, what happens, and this can be so powerful because again, we're working with people on noticing these things, mm -hmm. reducing the judgments, dismantling the self-talk. And so she started to change the self-talk of I'm fat. With She would notice it. She'd say, oh, that's a judgment. And she started to add, you know, I'm, I'm worthy of good things. I'm learning to appreciate myself. She started to, we, talk, we work that. on two things in, in therapy. We work on changing the self-talk and the, the narrative and the beliefs. And we work on the behavior. So she did also have to learn, what am I feeling? Do I really want to eat? So it was like, if I'm hungry... Then I'm going to eat, right? Mm -hmm. Or if I just choose to because it's a celebration, whatever. Right. But not out of shame. Right. So she had to identify, no longer want to eat just because I'm ashamed. I'm going to try to do something else with it. And she wow. didn't always get it because, again, it was like, it doesn't matter if you mess up sometimes. That's okay. Sometimes we're all going to eat because right. we feel a bad feeling, right? But right. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, let's just have more tools in your toolkit. Well, and I love the affirmation you gave her, too, is I'm learning to trust myself and love myself because sometimes I think it is hard for women to go all the way to the oh I'm amazing right yeah, like it's hard right. to buy into that but to right. say I'm learning is such a crucial learning word to appreciate myself or yes. learning that I'm enough yes right? 
And so, right, we take these small steps with the self-talk that, you know, you can, yeah, you're right. You can't go from I suck to I'm a queen. Right. right? <laughs> but I, I hope in time that people will get to that place where they love themselves enough to feel powerful, to feel like they are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so a rule I have in therapy, and again, colorful language is okay. Mm -hmm. So I tell them, you can't say the F word. And I'm not talking about fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about <laughs> we fat. We don't say fat. Yeah. We don't call ourselves that. We don't call other people that. Right. We say, I, we always say fat is not a feeling. Right. So you can't come in and say, I feel fat. It's like, we got to break that down. And I, we actually break it down like into an acronym where we say, you're not feeling fat, the actual physical being, you're feeling either fearful, you're feeling anxiety, or you're feeling threatened. And I love we'll, that. Yes. Yeah, it's cool when it opens up because it gets them out of blaming their bodies. And like right. we were talking about how body image isn't fixed with changing your bodies and back to what you're talking about, which is the feelings. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, we, we have to understand our feelings if we're going to understand ourselves more mm -hmm. deeply. But our society doesn't teach us how to do that, right? No. Our society wants us to brush aside negative feelings and get on with things. It's almost like suck it up, right? And, and the problem with that is they're such a rich source of information. If you don't know what you're feeling, you're missing so much about yourself and what's motivating you to do the things you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's what therapy is all about is like, we got to get in there and understand you from that inside perspective. I love, I'm a huge fan of therapy. I mean, I've been blessed to be friends with many therapists and it's been such a gift in my life because growing up, I was not taught those things. Nobody I was not talked is, about really. in school. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think they're getting better at it. Like I know in my son's preschool, when they come in or kindergarten oh my gosh he's in kindergarten it's like I'm in denial <laughs> so when he goes in the first thing they do is they actually have to check in with their feelings and they rate it they've got a scale that's good um, it's that's cool good it's super cool but um yeah so I think it's starting to make its way into the mm -hmm. narrative but it wasn't when we were growing up so okay so identifying the feelings identifying shame what about the all or nothing thinking how do you help people in that space move towards like a more grade way of thinking, a rainbow way of thinking? Yeah, I, again, I think it goes back to them being able to start to recognize it. So we talk about those concepts a lot and examples of it, and then they have to go out in their lives and start to try to see when they're doing it. So a lot of times, um, you know, people can only do it in hindsight at first, and then they get better at doing it in the moment. Like, oh, I'm, I'm doing that. I had, I said I was never going to eat sugar. So people do these extreme things, right? I'm never going to eat sugar again. I'm like, okay, you're going to fail at that. But sure, you can, if you really right. want to try. Are we talking about fruit and all sugar? Sugar, sugar, right? right? Anyway, so they tell me these crazy things they're going to do. I'm never going to eat sugar mm -hmm. again. And inevitably they fail, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they do it in a strange way because it's like they had a little tiny bit of something. And so that's a massive failure. And mm. so now the whole day is, you know, wasted. And so they might as well just eat a whole tub of ice cream. Right. And a whole tub of ice cream is different than the little chocolate square or whatever they had. Right. So people do these wild things, right, with the all or nothing. Right. Well, and then it, it's we exaggerate what we're yes. eating as well. So yeah, like, true. I have people come in and I know you do this too, where it's like, somebody says I binged on it. We'll say, is it an objective binge right. or a subjective binge? Right. Like one gal yesterday was telling me she binged on chocolate and I said well how much did you have she's like well I had one square and when we broke it down the one square was actually half an ounce but in her mind oh the all or nothing thinking yeah. had gotten so black or white well, you have a forbidden food yes. right which is what also obviously we encourage people not to do that mm -hmm. right food is food of course some things you don't want to eat tons of it um, mm -hmm. it's not going to feel good but that's the other problem is people are not going by 
how they feel physically or what the food's doing for them. They're just going off of these labels and our society really promotes that, right? I don't have to tell you all of this stuff, right? But you know, like, yeah, the, when I was a kid, it was fat. Don't eat fat, right? Did, did you, was, the, that was the Snackwell's that? generation, right? Yes. Like the fat free everything. Fat free everything, but mm -hmm. it was all loaded with sugar, right? Which I have to just jump in here because this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Sure. How it's like come full circle. So when the fat free movement came out, they pulled all the fat out and they put sugar in. Right. Then sugar free came. Right. They pulled all the sugar out and then they put more, um, they put gluten in and they put uh, carbohydrate fillers. Oh my now goodness. it's gluten free. And you know what they're putting in to fill the gluten? Fat. So it's like come full circle. <laughs> and so uh. it's like, yeah. So anyways, I just always like yeah, to no, share that. I always like your perspective on those things. It's like maybe we should just all eat real food. Right. How about that? And it's and nothing has to be off limits unless you have celiac disease or something like that, right? Yeah. So when it comes to food, the all or nothing thinking is something that comes up all the time yeah. with my clients. It's yes. like the, I have the good or bad food list. Right. And that's something I am constantly trying to challenge with clients is like, okay, how do we get this list like there's no dividing line anymore and it's just food it's just food but there's so much fear know, around it. it's I like know. well if i eat that then i'm bad so what's like one step someone that's stuck in that all or nothing thinking can do to start to think a little bit more in the rainbow i think that is that's a great question it's and it's so hard i mean honestly i think it comes down to having some exposure to some of that stuff mm -hmm. so i don't know if you know this but exposure and response prevention therapy is the most dreaded therapy in all of psychotherapy because it's it's kind of i mean it's crude in the way of like you're saying you're afraid of spiders well here's a spider right, right. Like, i'm gonna right. have you hold it <laughs> um, but honestly I don't, I don't know if you know, you probably do know this, that behind a lot of, let's say if we're talking about anorexia, where it's really severe and people really are cutting out a lot of food groups, behind that 70, 60 or 70% of the time is OCD. Mm. And so the obsession is with be, they're going to become fat and then the compulsion is dieting, right? Mm. Or cutting out food groups. So honestly, what you guys do over at EDD, EDTC or other places um, it's exposure therapy. It's like you have to start to eat some of this again and realize it's okay and get yeah. comfortable with it again. Like I always say, you have to ex like you have to take a leap of faith, yeah, and then experience that you're okay yes. on the end of it yes. to be able to do it again. And in my personal story of recovery, that's what got me through it. Is I was actually I at the crux of my bulimia and really working through like letting those behaviors go. What mm -hmm. finally made me have faith in letting it go was I was. On a, it was like some adventure camp with, it was a really cool thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was super cool. I was with this whole group of college students. We are staying in a hostel, so we're all in bunks, and there's one bathroom. So I could not engage in any of my behaviors. We were eating out the entire, like, food you that is. You had to eat what you had to eat. Yeah, yeah, you had to eat what you had to eat. Nachos, you know, fried chicken, all of it. And, um. Absolutely no exercise because I was in the middle of a city that was foreign and I was scared. So I didn't yeah. want to go anywhere. But I, I was stuck. And so I sat for a whole week where I couldn't engage in behaviors. I was eating all the scary foods and I could not exercise. And by the end yeah. of the week, I did feel terrible, but I was still okay. And you I was kind of like, like, oh, maybe I could, maybe I don't have to be so rigid. With yes, this. yes. Yeah. And then that's what started my healing process. It's yes. like, okay, I can be okay and move on. But it is that like leap of faith. Right. Right. And just trusting your body can handle right. the, quote, mistakes you make with food. Or my body can handle a day of rest. Well, and then it has actually, yeah, that there's a lot of flexibility. I mean, really, to gain a lot of weight is actually a lot of work. Yeah, right? And honestly, the, I think people that really find themselves in that situation probably, we, we mentioned the word embodiment, they're probably not embodied. Mm -hmm. They're not really feeling how food's making them feel or that they're getting so full so much of the time they're, that they're sick. Mm -hmm. um, and, they're, and that's probably a trauma-based reaction mm. a lot of times, not always. 
Um, but or they're just so depressed and sad and shut down, right? But a lot of it is being shut down. And so right. to improve body image, you know, there's all the other stuff we were talking about, but you have to be in the body and you have to learn to accept it and love it. Mm-hmm. And you can't be doing this all or nothing. You can't be doing avoidance. You have to. So I think there's two parts to that. You know, I, I think you have to be moving. You have to be, that's the exposure part. You have to be getting some kind of exercise, hopefully something you like, mm-hmm. but you also have to do the head and heart work, right? Mm-hmm. I have a male client because we were, we're been talking mostly about females i have a male client this is a guy in his young 30s he's professional nice looking guy he's pretty fit actually Mm -hmm. not happy with himself Mm -hmm. but that's on the heels of a horrible divorce he experienced (sighs) it ripped his heart out and so he he's internalizing that pain remember i was saying trauma somehow Mm -hmm. makes people blame themselves almost no matter what it was i had a person that had a client that had a house fire um was not her fault same kind of thing like i'm bad People mm. do that with trauma. Like, there's something wrong with me. It's like if we're experiencing the Is pain. Is it a control thing? I think maybe it's a control. If you can make it about you and your fault, maybe you could prevent it somehow. Perhaps right, it is yeah, right. a control thing. Right. So anyway, this guy, you know, he's he is doing the exercise part of it. And okay. I don't know that he's over-exercising. Maybe he is. I should probably, <laughs> I should probably uh, press on that a little bit more. But really, that, it's not the exercise part he's needing to work on. It's like all of his emotional stuff. And like actually being able to be in his body yeah. and see how he's responding to things. Well, there's so much power in that. And that's like the intuitive eating stuff, right? And why it is such a, I think, successful way to eat because, and when people hear intuitive eating, they think, oh, I'm going to eat whatever I want and gain weight. But it couldn't be farther from the truth because to your point of the embodiment, it's like intuitive eating is just seeing what your body does with food. Mm -hmm. like Paying attention. Paying attention. Feeling it. Yes. (laughs) Which is so cool because I think it opens up this door to living in the moment and feeling like the good having a little bit more distress tolerance so that we don't just run and hide from things that are scary, but it allows us to be in the moment and really live. Right. And so, you know, we teach clients those skills to pay attention to how they feel without judging the experience too much. That's not easy to do. No. And that's so good. So good. So being in the experience without judging it. So give me an example of what that would look like. So, you know, if you're really anxious, um, I have clients tell me this all the time, you know, they're anxious, but then they're also judging that they're anxious. I shouldn't be feeling anxious <laughs> yeah. about this, right? Yes. Like who, who in the world is afraid of spiders, right? You know, they might tell me like, yes. I feel so stupid or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, you know, you're just, you're having an emotional experience. And so we, we really uh, try to teach clients to actually love their emotions. And that's a strange concept to love a negative emotion, but it's part of you. It's part of being human. Mm-hmm. It can tell you a lot of things. I have that conversation with clients a lot too. What is this emotion telling you? Yes. You know, yes. the good, the bad, and the ugly. What's it all about? What's right. it, what is it? How does it inform what's going on for you? And emotions are self-validating, right? If I feel sad, it's because I've probably lost something. Right. And, it's, and so I should sit there and honor that, right? Right, right. Um, if I feel afraid, something has... I feel threatened by something and I need to get in touch with that. Now we might say, okay, this, this, I'm really stuck in this emotion. I'm having it too much and I'm really avoiding things that are important in life. So I have to try to face that fear then. Um, but the first step well, that's is, where therapy comes yeah, in, that's right? Where therapy comes in. But the first step is have the experience without all the judgments of it's right or wrong or good or bad. Emotions just are what they are. We don't have, I don't know if you know this, Jess, but we don't have direct control over our emotions. <laughs> we don't. We don't. Shoot. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, you would just change them, right? Right. No, I love that. There's so much grace in that and being yeah. able to just accept that like part of the human experience is yeah. some of these unpleasant emotions. And I can definitely attest to that when I learned, again, learning from all the wonderful therapists I've gotten to know and work with. But it's like I, I'm an anxious person just by nature. And once I was able to accept that my anxiety 
was actually a gift. And when I feel it, it helps redirect my life in a way yeah. that's more in alignment with my you values. You use it in a, in a yes. powerful, positive way. Yes, it was great. And now my anxious like swings do not last very long. It's like it comes and I've got the tools to yeah. work through it and I'm able to manage it, you know, most of the time, not always, right. most of the time. Right. But it's like before I was like, oh, anxiety is bad. I shouldn't have that. And like you're talking about should the shame. never feel this way. Yes. The shoulds, right? Yes. A famous psychologist Albert Ellis said people should all over themselves. Yes, I love that. Quit <laughs> shooting on yourself. Yeah, right. We have. I always the say the shoulds, the must. Right. I have in my office a should and sorry jar. So instead of like a cussing jar, it's like they have to throw in something every time they say I should or I'm sorry and apologize I for like the way it. they feel. I like it. Like you can say all the bad words you want, but should and I'm sorry, <laughs> like leave that at the door. Because that gives us a glimpse into these crazy expectations people mm-hmm. are having right like I should never have a rest day from working out or I I should only eat the clean foods I hate that that yeah. expression clean eating me you know, too like, come on <laughs> did you drop it in the dirt I know. <laughs> um and so yeah getting re- really reducing that extreme language mm-hmm. and the extreme thinking and the judgments mm-hmm. about experiences oh so good all of this is so good Erica I'm so grateful for you and the work you do and just unpacking this um, what's something you would say to someone who is really identified with this either shame or all or nothing thinking and is feeling stuck, either like you said in paralysis or in perfectionism, what would be your piece of advice to them? I think that if, it, if it's really bad, you know, maybe support, Get go see a therapist. That's mm-hmm. what, you know, this is what we do. We love to talk with people about this stuff. If it's not so bad, maybe just sit with it, sit with these experiences, journal about it. Um, try to see what's there. Maybe you can soften up some of the extreme thinking around your expectations or reduce your judgments. Talk to some friends. A, fam- a favorite thing that us psychologists like to do is like do a little experiment. We say, you know, go go ask 10 people what they think about this problem you're having. Oh, wow. See what they say about it. There, There's a funny example of this woman came in and told her therapist, my husband doesn't love me. And he said, well, how do you know that? You know, what are, you, what are we talking about here? She said, he wouldn't chew my piece of gum. I put a piece of gum in. I only chewed it like <laughs> once and I didn't want it. And I, I offered to it and he seemed grossed out. And, he, and so the therapist said, well, okay, go. Do you know any couples that seem like they're in love? She goes, oh my gosh. Yeah, I know so many couples that are in love. She, he said, go ask those couples if they would chew each other's gum. And so she came back the next time and said, none of them would chew their partner's gum. <laughs> <laughs> so it puts it in perspective. So I almost, maybe that's not a great. I love uh, it. I don't know if that's great for body image because what we certainly don't want people to do is ask 10 people, am I fat? Right. You know, you don't want to do that. But, right. but you know, in terms of like maybe some thinking you have or like, well, if they say like, if I only went to the gym and was on the treadmill for 10 minutes, is that not, does that count as exercise? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Or you could even ask 10 people, how do you define beautiful? How do you define beautiful? And you get 10 different answers. 10 different answers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good, Erica. Well, thank you so much for today. Thanks for being here. I will link all your information in the show notes, but I really appreciate what you do in this conversation. I appreciate you and you are a beautiful soul and you help light the way for good uh, nutrition and many other things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.